Dr. Nancy O'Reilly's groundbreaking book, In This Together, landed on bookstore shelves with a powerful message. When we work together, we can do absolutely anything. Guidance from 40 women leaders with specific strategies to help women advance their careers makes In This Together even more relevant today, especially with the pandemic's impact on women in the workforce. Take your career to the next level with Dr. Nancy O'Reilly's In This Together, now available on audiobook. Download your copy today. One. And welcome back, Facebook friends, boys and girls, good people around the world. Episode 17 of the Religious Podcast with my friend, Joanna Bushkowska McCumber, and me, your host, Kevin Edwards. In this short time today, we'll, discuss, we'll be discussing what the evolution of work looks like, why people choose purposeful or profitable careers out of the gate, and what my friend Joanna is working on. To give you a background on Joanna, Joanna is the founding executive director of League of Innovators who believes we can create enterprises that are not only profitable, but create social and environmental value. No excuses. For Joanna, it's all about building change-making ideas from concept to reality to big impact. And she believes everyone, even you, has a role to play. So Joanna, let's get this conversation started. Now, can you elaborate a little bit about what the League of Innovators is all about? For sure, Kevin. Uh, thanks for having me today. Um, so League of Innovators, uh, we are a national charity uh, that supports um, young people um, under the age of 25 in their pursuit of entrepreneurial and innovative career paths. And what that means and how that looks for us is we support young people from discovery to acceleration. And so we've got programs that really fit with your journey and your exposure to entrepreneurship. At the discovery side, we've got an online learning academy called Online Sessions that you can access for free. Um, we do in-person crash courses with young people to really get their hands dirty in, um, in understanding and experiencing what the early stages of coming up with an idea and starting a startup really looks like and feels like, and even diving to some of these soft skills that entrepreneurs have like curiosity and problem solving and a bit of an appetite for risk. Um, and we also provide resources for educators and activators around communities to be able to bring these courses and these topics into their classrooms, into their events. Um, our big goal really is to expose all young people to the concept of entrepreneurship and innovation. Um, and it is, around, it is um, about building community for us as well. So crash courses and online programs uh, are great, but we also want to make sure that we connect young people across the country to each other um, mm. to really build the future network um, that they're going to be creating and utilizing. And so in the middle of our programs, we've got this awesome program called the Connector Hubs, really building community for young people and having them really build those communities in their regions, in their cities, in their towns, and then getting other young people excited about the potential of entrepreneurship and the potential of being part of a startup community. And at the far acceleration end, we have a program called LOI Labs which is a virtual accelerator program for young people. So we work with uh, young entrepreneurs under the age of 25 and really help them um, accelerate their businesses uh, from really this idea, early revenue stages to businesses that can scale, uh, bring on investment, um, be really growing their revenues. Um, so right now in that program, We've got 29 young entrepreneurs from across Canada that are part of that program, um, ranging from um, you know aerospace technology startups all the way to food startups. Um, and it's really about supporting young people um, 
and building their networks and building their peer network, which is pretty unique. Often when we look at other accelerators, um, they are specific uh, to a technology or a region, but they don't necessarily cater to young people. And we find that young people um, have certain challenges uh, that those of us that are a bit older don't necessarily have. Well, Joanna, there's a lot going on here, a lot of concepts <laughs> and um, just uh, opportunities that someone can have when they join a program like this. The main uh, differentiation, I, I think, of this program versus others is kind of what you said with the um, uh, expanding your network. You know, mm. while people are focusing uh, more on uh, a specific trait, a specific um, goal in mind, whether it's in agriculture or in space, uh, you said you're also focusing on expanding their networks and expanding mm -hmm. the communication and and creating those relationships with other people that can help out their business in the future. That's that's pretty huge. As as we all know in business, it's not about what you know; it's about who you know. Um, mm -hmm. So that's a very cool concept about what League of Innovation is doing. Now I got to ask you. You said the virtual program. I, yeah. I don't know. The, I forget the entire name, but the virtual aspect of your program for 25 plus year olds. Under, These, oh, under okay, so under <laughs> 25. Sorry, correct that. Under 25 year olds, they are coming in with all with a business they've already had in mind. Now, do all of your participants come in with the business already, or are some coming in just to learn the entrepreneur type role and see if they like it? So for our LOI Labs program, the accelerator, um, everybody um, applies for that program uh, with an actual business idea. So some of them will be in the very early stages of building what that looks like, but they already have a grounded idea of what it is. So they're okay, not okay. really in that incubation stage. So they, they are coming with us with the business. Uh, typically for those of uh, young people that are just trying to explore what it is or what kind of opportunities lie in that sector, um, they come to one of our crash courses. Got it. Yeah. And, and then what are you seeing in today's world with people following more of a purposeful route versus mm -hmm. a maybe just going right into a profitable route? You know, it, it's like when you're coming out of college, when you go to the career fairs, yeah. most of the companies that are in there, a lot of insurance companies, a lot of yeah. financial firms, investment banks, very attractive to a 21, 22 year old who's coming out of college and wants to make money. But what about your experience? What about the people that are coming to you? Are they coming in all different shapes and sizes and ages? What do they look like? Um, so it's interesting. We've got a really interesting perspective and view uh, because we are national in scope and we often uh, work with young people virtually. So they're coming to us from all over. Mm. Um, and what's interesting, um, you know, this concept of entrepreneurship, you know, the reality is entrepreneurship has been around as long as people have been around, right? People had to start their own businesses a long time ago um, to make sure that there's a roof over their, uh, over their heads, that they have food on the table. So the concept of entrepreneurship is actually really old. Um, but in the modern era, in the last, I would say, 10, 15 years, it's become this glamorized concept and it's been very closely associated with uh, with technology. And it's true, we've had some of the most successful entrepreneurs uh, have come out of the tech space um, and they're amazing individuals. But the reality is that entrepreneurs exist in every sector, in every region, in every community. Um, and you know, for, at League of Innovators and the work that we do, we wanna ensure that especially young people realize um, that entrepreneurship can exist in every industry and you can be interested in lots of different things 
um, and still be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And um, you can do that with a real purpose to create change in our world um, and not just to make money. And if you're doing something um, with real purpose um, and actually creating value and solving a real problem in the world, you know, the money will follow. Um, but you have to figure out as an individual, what is that purpose that that really is calling your name and that you feel passionate about? And it's interesting what we're seeing with this next generation uh, with millennials and then next gen is um, is that um, they are inherently already thinking about how do I solve a real problem in the world, not just make money. And even when we look at applications for our accelerator program, young people are coming with impact focused businesses to us. I would say about 60 to 70% of the businesses that are in our accelerator and that the applications we see are ideas or businesses that have a built in social or environmental impact in them. doesn't matter whether they're using technology or not. Um, they're already thinking about, how do I actually create a business that solves a real problem and then makes an impact in the world? Yeah, I so, agree. And that, that's yeah. a big part of that. It's like, I heard a great quote the other day is, is a lot of people I interview say, follow your passion, follow your passion. But the quote was, don't follow your passion, follow your, the problems, follow mm -hmm. the problems in the world and, and you'll find success. Um, but I want to stay on this topic of how things are changing how the evolution and each generation are finding different ways to make a difference. Um, I found this article on Forbes and it, it was talking about the evolution of work. Now I'm just gonna name off a couple concepts for you um, and we can go from there. So it says hierarchy, the past, uh, top-down process. Right now in the future, flattened structure. The past, fixed, fixed working hours, nine to five. Now flexible working hours. Uh, hoarded information to shared information, command and control and fear-based leadership to engaging, empowering, and inspiring leadership, on-premise technology to cloud technology, email is a primary form of communication to email is a secondary form of communication, corporate ladder to create the ladder, uh, uh, siloed and fragmented company, connected and engaged company, and then work at the office and then work from anywhere. I know, I, as I can attest to this as somebody who doesn't work in an office, who does work from home, has that flexibility, it's a little bit different. And when I talk to friends and family, it's always, hey, man, get a real job. you know. But all jokes aside, I think these, these are the real jobs of the future. And why would you want to regress something back to that when you can always go downstairs and fix yourself a meal? So um, times are changing. And I just got to ask you, what are you seeing with League of Animators? Um. You know, thanks for, I, I mean, I think you've hit the nail right on the head. Things are changing and they're changing really quickly. And um, what we're seeing um, with our, some of our big corporate partners that we work with um, and, and, and even the ones that we don't work with, we see um, internally, they are trying uh, to create a work environment that actually um, is trying to incorporate some of these concepts that you just listed out. Um, and they're, I think they're really important. Um, and I think companies, uh, and not just startups, all companies and work environments really need to start thinking about, you know, creating this kind of work environment where uh, we're going to thrive for the next 10, 20, 30 years um, and, and not look back at what things were like. So I think in, in business, um, 
in business and the public sector and government and especially in the nonprofit sector as well you know we've been um, uh, used to a certain way of working and a certain way of like running an organization um, but the reality is that um, just because we did these things for the last 20 30 years doesn't mean that that's going to be the equation for the future for future success of what we're able to achieve and I think actually organizations and individuals that are able to really adopt and embrace new ways of working and really embrace um, being lifelong learners. And that doesn't just exist for the individual that I think is a, a concept that organizations need to adopt is that, you know, we in this new world, things are going to start changing quicker and quicker. And for for people and for organizations that are able to adopt and learn new skills, adopt new ways to create change, adopt new ways to, you know, build their products, make revenue. Those yeah. are the organizations that are going to be successful in the future. And so how can we then now prepare, you know, the next generation and the people out there uh, to really thrive in those kind of environments? Yeah, I agree. Adaptability is huge. And if you look at the textbooks from, Gosh, even like five years ago, a lot of the concepts have changed already. Now, with your virtual labs, the, the LOI labs, what, what does that kind of look like? Uh, you, you were talking about people are working in different locations. I mean, explain this to me. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so we've, um, you know, we always talk a lot about the, these things at, at the organizational level, and we've actually started adopting it ourselves. So our team is now... Um, we're building the team remotely so we all sit in different cities um, because we want to make sure that we really live and breathe what we preach a bit um, and that um, if we're going to run a virtual accelerator then some of us actually have to be in different locations um, and so what the virtual accelerator looks like so we actually um, have an online portal where all the participants in the program are able to on a weekly basis get all the um, course content all the resources the entire schedule for that week they do that on the online platform we de deliver all our um, course webinars our AMA with our um, lead entrepreneurs and investors all virtually online so everybody can really uh, log in from wherever they are um, across the country or across North America Mm -hmm. at that given moment um, but what we're also and we do coaching and mentorship uh, virtually as well but what we're actually trying to build with that as well and this is you know another layer of complexity but we actually believe this is the way forward um, is a blended mo model of it being virtual but we actually are building regional nodes of support for young okay. people so we're actually building right. on the ground support um, for right now in Vancouver and Calgary and Toronto and then around different regions in North America to actually support the entrepreneurs that are on the ground um, and that will be on the ground as we build our alumni network well that's very cool that's because I was just about to ask you you know part of you know it's very nice like I said to go downstairs make a sandwich <laughs> but there are some downsides to you know working away and being in a collocated team um, what yes. are some of the downsides of being virtual? And I'm sure that's why you're integrating, like you said, yes. people in these different nodes around the world so you can have people on the ground. But what are the downsides of working um, online? Um, so I think from what we're seeing, and yeah, that the, there's just no, um, there is no substitute for um, 
person-to-person interaction. Yeah. And we, we are human beings. Um, no matter where we are, we still want that, that in-person interaction, that relationship, uh, just that back and forth that naturally happens when you are in a, in a, in a workspace together or in a cafe or, or whatever you're doing, right? That physical connection with somebody is so important. Um, and we try to mimic that virtually online. Um, but that is one of the biggest challenges is how do you create um, you know, this connection. And for us, it's, we're trying to create this peer network for these young entrepreneurs and obviously they're going to get connected online. Uh, but the connection gets so much stronger when we're able to bring them together, uh, live in person. And this is why a big thing for us is like, okay, virtual is awesome, but there has got to be another layer. So that's why we decided to do these physical regional nodes. I would also say, um, you know, I think, um, communication, um, is, is another tricky thing being remote and virtual uh, because a lot of things can be uh, misunderstood through yes. online communication. And Definitely. so it's so important to almost uh, over communicate if you're just virtual or remote um, and, and have, you know, extra uh, layers or extra touch points of connection. Um, but that's a big one too, right? So um, again, if you're not a physical space that connect, you don't just don't have that constant communication with your peers or your co- colleagues. Yep. Yeah, I agree. And and like I said before, we mentioned this point earlier, when somebody goes into the workforce, it's a big moment. Why are they going to enter a company? At least when I was being recruited, it was the flash. Oh, man, they got they have cakes in there. Oh, they have hoverboards walking around there blasting music in their work environment. No cubicle. Oh, sign me up. Um, but I had the friend that went to that same company and he hated it so much. He, he left in two weeks. You know, there's a lot of different things that are luring college kids, college students, high schoolers, just anyone yeah. um, who's looking for a job there, create that environment, create that college culture um, that they may have missed or, or want. Um, there's a lot of different things. And yeah. it, it kind of just speaks volume to um, why also people are joining online in programs like yours and joining cool and fun um, cultures that they can be a part of, at least for, for your league of innovators, it's purposeful. You know, these people might not reach that, um, that half time, that 40, 50 year, uh, age when they say, geez, what am I doing with my life? And it's, and I'm not just saying that as a young 23 year old, I'm saying that because I've (laughs) met multiple and interviewed multiple, uh, smart adults, um, who have all said they made this change because they were making profitable and there's no meaning behind it, making profit and, and there was no meaning behind it. So 100%. you really got to ask yourself, what can you do before you get to that age limit? Yeah. And you know what? It's not, um, I mean, there's been multiple articles now, um, uh, written by some of the most famous entrepreneurs um, and entrepreneurial supporters uh, who has said, you know, corporate culture is not ping pong tables. It's not free beer after four o'clock. Those are like nice to have features, but corporate culture is really built around the purpose and the vision of an organization. And then the shared values that you live and breathe uh, in your team, in your organization. And I think a lot of times startups especially forget, you know, they try to put a ping pong table in, they try to do all these nice features, but that's not really why people join an organization. They want to they have 
um, a purpose in the work that they do mm-hmm. and they want to know that the work that they do actually um, that the company can actually achieve the purpose they they're meant to or that they've set out for themselves and and it, you know the, the bigger question is like about fit you know where do you fit and what kind of organizational culture do you want to be part of and I think for young people especially when they're just trying to figure out you know where do I uh, where do I go? Where can I get really succeed? And they get swayed by all these sexy startup cultures or, you know, um, and it, and it's, it's important for all of them to ask, like, what is, what do I really want to achieve? What, do, what do I want to do in my career? And I think when you're young, it's actually the time to go out and work in lots of different places and really figure out what works for you and what doesn't. Um, I think that's, that's the, that's the big bonus, um, when you're younger, you know, when you're a bit older, that doesn't necessarily fit in your life when you've got a mortgage and you've got kids and you've right. got other responsibilities. But when you're younger, I think that's the time to be like, okay, let's see what, what, where I fit and what fits for me too. Cause I don't think it's necessarily, do I fit somewhere? It's like, what fits for me and for what fits for my values as an individual, um, I think a lot of the times we think about it in a um, in sort of one direction when it's really it's a dual direction. Both of us need to get a benefit, the company, and then I need to get a benefit, depending on where I work, right? So right. And now, Joanna, what's what's Joanna's career path like? I mean, how did you get into um, this this social innovation area? That's a really good question. So I've had a really you know what, I've had a really unique career path, but I feel like a lot of people sort of stumble upon their career path. Uh, when I talk to mm. whether they're entrepreneurs or whether they're successful in some other fashion, especially in the social impact side, they've, they've really fallen into it because they've at some point figured out, oh, this is this is what I love and this is the purpose. And, and I see so much value here and I want to contribute. Um, and that's important, I think, for people to realize there's there's no one equation or path that someone has to follow to get somewhere, right? To be successful. That's for sure. Um, you know, um, for me, you know, it's interesting when I was, um, and we were talking about this before the, the podcast, but, uh, you know, when I was younger, um, I didn't think about my career. I was a tennis player and that, that was my career. I would say that was my first career. And I spent a lot of time just focusing on performing both when I was in high school and then in a university, that was really the priority. And, you know, going to school and figuring out different options for what was going to happen after was really an afterthought during that time. It wasn't until I left school that I started to really dabble in and try to figure out what um, what really interested me. Uh, I came from a family that was uh, had a lot of careers in medicine and the medical field, and mm-hmm. that just that just wasn't for me. Uh, it didn't work for me, um, and so. Everybody else in, in, in my family was like, oh, this is the path we're going to choose, right? Um, right? And so I had to take some time and effort to really figure out what worked, what didn't. And I and I dabbled in a couple different things um, that didn't work out, that I wasn't really interested in. Um, and at the time, it felt like big failures. But looking back at it, it was the, it was the right thing to do, right? Um, like I said, not everything's a good fit for you, and that's fine. Um, yeah. Now the last couple of careers you've had, last couple jobs, not careers, but jobs that you've had, have been around this area, correct? Yes, yeah. So once I um, I went back to school, I did my MBA, um, and I and I started fo- focusing heavily on sustainability, and uh, really was presented with a couple opportunities. First, with uh, the Center for Social Innovation Impact Investing out of the University of British Columbia, uh, an old professor at the time I was just starting the center, and I got brought on board as the managing director for that. And you know when we started. Um, 
it was really the the beginning wave of social entrepreneurship and the concept of social innovation at that time nobody was really talking about it at scale you know we didn't have articles in forbes about social entrepreneurship and um it was a really interesting time to dive into that field and understand how how entrepreneurship and business models could really mm. be used to create real um, sustainable social impact in the world. And that's when I really fell in love with this idea uh, of building real enterprises that can create that change. And that in fact, we need to think in other ways uh, to solve the problems that we have at hand. Um, and there isn't a formula somewhere in a book that, that we need to follow that has been written before, but we have to make those formulas ourselves. Yeah, and you know, there's, yeah. Oh, sorry, finish, go for it. You know, I was going to say, and that's sort of been, since then, been my theme in my career. And um, what I really hold uh, valuable is this idea that we need to, we need to get out of our comfort zones and start exploring new ways to create solutions in our world. Now, Joanna, is it satisfying when you start out in a career years ago and, and now, I got to say, sustainability, social enterprises, it's really picking up. It's definitely a big trend right mm -hmm. now and it's increasing. Is this satisfying when you picked that career years ago and say, yes, I knew it was going to work. I knew people were going to catch on. Um, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, maybe a little bit, but um, it's, it's interesting. It's like, yeah, I mean, there's a bit of like, yes, I knew it. I told you so, everybody. Um, but no, what, what is the most exciting part about it is like, oh, yes. Finally, people are seeing what all of us saw back in the day of this. This has got real traction. This is this is this got this has got so much opportunity to create change in our world and and for others to be able to. And I would say not even buy in. And uh, for me, the satisfaction happens when I see young people that I've never met applying for our accelerator with amazing social impact business ideas. Um, and, and they're trying to solve real problems with a business model, which, which I'm, I'm so happy to see because what that means is that um, that information and that empowerment is out there and that young people feel um, the ability, they have the ability to step up and create change in our world. Yeah. Well, there's, you know, there's just so many things out there and, and I think this is, now this is my theory. This is not backed by anything else, but I just think, <laughs> people in America, including myself, who's never gone to a third world country, never experienced the world or had the opportunity to really travel around the different countries, kind of just live in a bubble. And I, I, I'll be the first one to admit, I lived in a bubble until I went out and started interviewing all these social entrepreneurs and finding out that 780 million people didn't get a, a fresh meal today, finding out that some people don't have uh, clean and uh, sanitized water, finding out that there's plastic inside of fish and oceans killing it. And it's, and it's, uh, people aren't able to get fresh, uh, fish, fresh meat because of what's happening in the world today. And there's so many things, 50 million diapers go into landfills a day in the United States alone, 50 million plastic diapers. May I remind you crazy things are happening in the world. But like I said, it's my theory that people are in this bubble and once you open your mind to that and, and listen to the people that we get to interact with every single day and the mm -hmm. research that we know, it's very touching. It's very inspiring. Um, so I'm going to ask you, what would be three things mm. that a social entrepreneur needs to do first? 
Um, so three things um, that the social entrepreneur um, needs to do first. First, um, if you've got to, you know, it's like truly understand the problem that you're trying to solve. Um, typically, if you're a social entrepreneur or you've got that drive to, to really solve a problem, like make sure you dive into that problem, understand the reason that problem exists and the root cause of it, and really understand everything in that space to become the expert so that you can craft a solution that will really create long-lasting change. Um, so really dive into that. Um, and part of that problem identification is also understanding the people that this problem affects and how you can solve that problem for them. Got it. I would, say, uh, I would say the second uh, piece of advice is um, uh, a lot of the times, um, whether you're a social entrepreneur or an entrepreneur, really, um, we all, everybody encounters this concept of imposter syndrome. Um, but recognize that um, pretty much everybody that's come before you in these early days when they were starting something, they were just like you. They didn't right. have all the answers. They didn't have all the education. They just went in and dived in. Um, so don't hold yourself up. Don't be like, oh, I don't know the answer. I can't go for it. Just start doing it. You'll learn through doing. Mm -hmm. um, so don't don't listen to your inner inner voice or inner critic being like, oh, you can't do it. Just go out and do that. And don't let anybody else tell keep you going. that. Yeah, just keep going. Exactly. And I'd say the third um, the third uh, piece of advice is um, is build a support network around you. Um, we the people that are trying to really tackle um, um, problems in the world, those are big, big problems. They're insurmountable. They're they're bigger than any one of us, right? right. Um, and you as a social entrepreneur, um, I know it can feel really lonely sometimes, but ensure that you've got a support network around you, whether it's family and friends or a, or, or a personal advisory board that can really support you as you grow your organization. That's going to be critical in ensuring that you're not, you don't feel so alone in, in this journey, which can be really, really hard. You know, um, the entrepreneurial journey has got lots of ups and downs and can be really challenging. And, and can be really detrimental to your own mental health. And um, knowing that you have people around you that can support you or that you can just go in and talk to, that is really critical. And you should know that you, um, nobody does it alone. Um, people, people, it takes a village uh, and it right. takes a lot of people to create change. Well, Joanna, we talked about villages and evolution and people <laughs> getting to uh, virtual labs and virtual machines, people talking just the computers, things are changing. There's no doubt about it. And uh, that's why I'm gonna ask you this last question. Okay. Um, finish this sentence. I am most looking forward to. I am most looking forward to um, meeting all the young people and just people that are that are coming up with with solutions to the problems that they identify as big problems that they want to solve. Love it. Well, Joanna, appreciate your time here on the Reallyers podcast. Are there any last words you would like to mention? Anything about League of Innovators or just about yourself? <laughs> awesome. So, if you're interested in our LOI Labs program, our applications open November twelfth. 
Um, so just under two weeks. Um, and if you're under 25, go check it out or send us an email. Um, and I would say my lasting words, if you're pursuing an entrepreneurial journey or social entrepreneur journey, uh, make sure you take care of yourself because, um, if, if you're not healthy, you're not taking care of yourself. No one's going to solve that problem for you. So, uh, take care of yourself. You heard it here, folks. First, you heard it here first, folks. There we go. Now, now I can speak. Folks, if you like this interview and you want to see more leaders, pick up your free magazine today at www.real-leaders.com slash shop and click on the back issues and type in free mag. I know Joanna's going to get one. Yep. Shipping is not included. Or go on today and sign up for the newsletter. Uh, it will be posted. Or sorry, sign up for the newsletter. When you sign up, you will get a free Branson edition plus 40% off your next order. Joanna, it's a, it's a pretty good deal. I'll, I'll send you a link. You got to check yes, it out. <laughs> now, uh, uh, folks, next Monday, next Monday, today is the 2nd of November, if I had that right. Next Monday is going to be the 5th, and we have a podcast at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time with the hosts of Passage to Profit on iHeartRadio, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart, who are longtime patent attorneys. So if you're an entrepreneur, you're not going to want to miss it. For Joanna Bushkowska McCumber, I'm Kevin Edwards. Thanks for tuning in for this episode 17 of the Re Leaders Podcast. Thank you.